Welcome to season two, episode five of Father and Dad, where we give you a candid inside look at the shared journey of seminarian on his path to fatherhood and his dad. I'm dad, PJ Carraher. And I'm father, not yet, still God willing, <laughs> Stephen Carraher. Still God willing, yes. Well, it's been a Christmas Christmas break here, uh, Stephen. You've been uh, you've been in town. It's been good good to have you. That's yeah, good and, to be back. Yeah, and I have to say, I kind of I grabbed some of your time. Uh, I, I'll confess, I'm I'm active in our uh, our Holy Name Society here at St. Tom's, and I when I saw that you were in town, and I. I feel, Stephen, just a twinge. You see, I'm putting my fingers together real small. Just, just a, a twinge of guilt for making you, having you, Stephen and I asked you to come and give a talk to uh, to the Holy Name Society. And I know you had a busy semester, and here I'm piling this right on the on the back end for it. But Oh, see, this, be, is, this is some of the best, that's the best part of being a seminarian is coming back home and saying hi to the home parish, especially. And and I, I love just, uh, you know, meeting with the people and, and giving talks. And, and yeah, some of my love, favorite go ahead some of your favorite yeah some, yeah. yeah some of my favorite times you know just kind of being with the people st- talking with them and doing like classroom visits meeting different yeah. groups and so yeah no it's it's a, it's a real blessing to come home from seminary and I, I know it's a time of a it's nice because it's a time of a break from academics but right. uh it's you know and in that you know it's a wonderful opportunity to go and do other stuff that seminarians can do so but and i'll tell you it and i'm going to get into it a little bit and we're going to get into what you, what you had to talk because it was a great talk it was very well received by the by the men of the holy names society oh, and I, it cool. almost felt like you were sharing with us school in a sense mm-hmm. it, it, yeah. for lack of, like of a better way and it was really uh I, I really appreciate what you did. And I'd love to, in this episode, just kind of peel back uh, some of those topics you brought up at that talk. Cause uh, um, uh, it was, it was, um, I don't know if eye opening is not the right word, but it just perspective, proper perspective setting. It was, and I, we really enjoyed and I appreciate. So my twinge of guilt has gone away because it was a great, a great talk that you, uh, you had. So uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you to kind of just you know, lay out the, the, the things that you brought with us to the, to the Holy Name Society. on that. Yeah, absolutely. So when you and, asked me to, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, and what was your motivation to, yeah. Where you got to yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So when, when you asked me to give the talk to the Holy Name Society, um, I was think I was really thinking a long time, like, what do I want to talk about? And I was I was between a couple of topics and uh, I figured that I just stick with what I know, which is uh, <laughs> vocations, because yeah. that's kind of the air that we breathe yeah. in seminary a lot. Yeah. Um, and I really wanted to share, like like you've alluded to, um, what we've been learning in school and in different talks that that we've received and I was really struck by a talk that was given by our director of pastoral formation at Mon- at, at uh, Sacred Heart. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually in an out of school context. It was um, it was at it was at another meeting with uh, with the men's group at a specific parish, and uh, he I think he laid out pretty well. Um, I was I was very impressed with uh, the way that he laid out kind of like a map in terms of where we are in terms of the Catholic Church and what our pastoral strategy should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I was really just kind of taken aback by this. It was the first time that I kind of heard this, these distinctions kind of drawn out, um, yeah. uh, that kind of like help shape uh, my understanding, at least to like answer the question, where are, where are we right now? Because before yeah. we, before we answer the question, like, what do we need to do? You know, what do we need to do to get more vocations? You know, we see out in the church that there's kind of like a vocation crisis, especially in, in the United States and yeah. um, all, all over the place. Um, 
and we look out and, and our first question often is like, okay, how are we going to fix it? How are we going to fix it? But yeah. you know, very often before we can answer that question, we have to figure out where we are. So we, you know, know how to fix it. Um, so to kind of understand where we are, uh, this, uh, my director of pastoral formation offered, um, kind of like two different, uh, aspects to view, uh, the church throughout time. Okay. And uh, notice that within these distinctions that the church has moved through them throughout uh, her life. And these two different ages are the age of Christendom mm-hmm. and the apostolic age. So I'm going to explain mm-hmm. what both of those are and how we've moved uh, through them throughout time and, and what, you know, where we are right now, what, what pastoral strategy okay. we need in terms of. So Christendom and the apostolic age. And so, okay, yes. yeah, lay those out. Yeah, yeah so. Uh, Christendom is kind of the first thing that I'd like to talk about a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and I just want to say before I get into it, all these ideas uh, that he was talking about as well can be found in a book. Uh, the book is called From Christendom to Apostolic Mission, Pastoral Strategies for an Apostolic Age. Uh, it's by uh, University of Mary and, and a John few other Shea. authors. Yeah, yeah James <laughs> Shea, right? James Shea, yeah. And actually, I'll attach that to our show notes. Yeah, very um, good. Yeah, yeah. I have the link and everything like that, so I'll attach that. Okay, to good. Our yeah, show it'll notes. be it'll be in the show notes. So that, that's kind of the yeah. origin of this of this thought that that I'll be sharing. So the age of Christendom is is an age in which the church finds itself where uh, kind of like the air that you breathe is Catholicism and and, and Christianity. So I, mm-hmm. I like to think of when I think of Christendom, I like to think of uh, you know a, a specific picture that I saw every time that I went to my pastoral assignment at Mundelein. <laughs> Uh, I went to St. Columbanus on the weekends mm-hmm. uh, on the south side of Chicago. And in the office, they had this, this giant picture of uh, the church back in, yeah. oh, it must have been the 40s. Yeah. And in the street, right in front of the church, it was lined up with uh, so many priests and uh, servers and so many late, like the whole street was just jammed. So this is a Chicago city street, which is not, it's not like a barren street. This is a yeah. Chicago oh, no, city yeah. street. It's a Chicago city street. Yeah. It's not, it's yeah. not like a, it's not like a piece of sidewalk. This is a full street. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's lined uh, to it, like the whole way down with, um, with people just for this Eucharistic procession. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you walk outside the church office and you look at the church and you look at the street and, and there is not, not much going on. You know, it looks yeah. like it, it looks a little bit more empty. So, yeah. um, so, so Christendom is kind of the way to describe that age that is we, we previously, previously experienced yeah. with the, the air that you breathe is Catholicism, is yeah. Christianity, yeah. Uh, you know, the institutions and the structures that, uh, we all uh, come to know and, and and interact with are Catholic and Christian at their core. Um, kind of mm-hmm. generally, society is uh, advancing the the mission of the church. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we think about the most best and respected intellectuals and uh, people in an age of Christendom are people who are thinking about problems of theology and thinking about problems of f- philosophy. You know, and and those people mm-hmm. with the best intellects are working for the church. You know, those people mm-hmm. who are the best artists work for the church, you know, think mm-hmm. of St. Peter's Basilica. Yeah. That's where my brain goes to. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Right. A beautiful, you know, beautiful Even music, work. music, classical yeah, exactly. music. Yeah, uh, classical how many, music. how many Requiem masses? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So you just have like a, just a wealth of culture and, and, and it's all directed towards the church. Every, mm-hmm. you can't really like the whole community is a witness to the church. Yeah. Uh, you know, to be in communion with 
your community is more or less to be in communion with the church. You know, if you, you know, communion with your, you know, neighbors is communion with the church in, in a certain respect. Yeah. Um, now when we look at this age of Christendom, because we just came from an age of Christendom and, and we're kind of mm-hmm. losing it at this point, yeah. uh, we kind of like to look at it with rose colored glasses and think, Oh, like, like that's, yeah. that's, that's how the, that's the best age that, you know, we were coming from. But there are some cons with living in an, in an age of Christendom. Um, for example, the, an age of Christendom kind of fosters a sense of comfortable Catholicism or comfortable Christianity um, because it's so easy to be in communion with the church. You know, it's just basically you, you just live your life in the community. Uh, very often, it's kind of hard to find a higher calling. It's kind of hard to find yourself uh, a, a way to really sacrifice yourself hmm. uh, for Christianity. Uh, so like a, a really good example of that would be, um, uh, the, the, so right after Christianity was legalized, uh, in this Rome, is like in the four, in the, in the 400s, in, we're talking right? about the fourth century, you know, we're talking yeah. about the, the 300 century. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was, it became, it, it was, it was kind of ushered into an age of Christendom very quickly. And yeah, it, it was came, like, yeah. with the, it was like with the flip of the switch, right? The yeah, emperor really all of a sudden said, Okay, now, though I say switch, flip of the switch, there was underground. I mean, it was happening organically that there was enough there going on. But mm-hmm. from an official public way, it was a bit of a, uh, hey, we're worshiping gods now. Floop, and now we're now we're Christian. Yeah, know? it was it was a radical change. Absolutely. It really was yeah. like almost a flip of the switch. And with yeah. it, there was just so much change really quickly. And one of the yeah. one of the changes is that if you wanted to do anything in society, you had to be a Christian, you know? So mm. everybody who mm. wanted to be a political leader had to be associated with Christianity in some way. So a lot of people were becoming Christians without this motive for this higher calling, you know, without a motive mm. for, you know, communion with God. They were, they were really looking at it as a way for political gain, which is something yeah. that you could possibly do in an age of Christendom. Right. And in reaction to that, um, there's a lot of Christians, a lot of the laity who were, who were very upset with the way that the church was going at. They were looking at the age of Christendom and thinking that it was a less good age than the age sure. of the martyrs. Uh, they looked at that as, as the heroic Christianity. They saw that as a heroic mm-hmm. witness to Christ. And in a reaction against this loss of this heroic witness, a whole mass of them went to the desert. And they went huh. to, and that's how, the, that's how the monastic tradition in the church started, was droves of people leaving this age of Christendom to go on the desert to live a more aesthetic and a higher calling of, of Christianity. Uh, so there really is in Christendom, there, there is a tendency to just kind of float along externally, but don't have any internal conversion. And there's, mm-hmm. uh, there's also less opportunity to evangelize, which is an essential call for True. the life of a Christian. You know, mission uh, in an age of Christendom means that you actually have to leave the community that you're in, you know, in an age of Christendom, if you want to evangelize, you have to go to a far off place. You have to go to a far off country to evangelize. You know, it's not very convenient to evangelize. You'd have to get, you know, a, a, some funding. You'd have to go out somewhere. You have to make plans to do so. So it's not something that everybody could do. You know, not everybody could evangelize in the same way. Um, and finally, men in the priesthood coming into the priesthood came in with uh, a lot of uh, some some bad motives. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, motives for, for, for wealth or fame or, because as I said earlier, you know, uh, you know, political leaders had to be Christians. And, uh, so there, there was, there's a certain sense that there's some people entering the priesthood with, with not so, not so great motives for, for fame or power or wealth. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the greatest moral corruptions in the hierarchy of the church occurred during uh, ages of high Christendom. Uh, so even, but that's also not to say that Christendom is bad. It's, it's just saying that it's a time, no. it's a period of, of the church that the church goes through. And there's good things about it. There are very clear good things about it. And there's also clear yes. cons to it. You know, there's pros and cons. Um, and we're, it's, it's pretty clear to us that we're moving out of that age of Christendom and we're moving out of that age of Christendom into what this, uh, what this book calls an apostolic age. So what is an apostolic age? You think of an age where the society is hostile or at least indifferent to the values of Christianity, right? So you don't really become a Christian by just simply floating along life. And it's, it's really to be a Christian is to be, um, uh, is is really to be uh, against the culture, countercultural. Mm-hmm. Uh, you think about Christian institutions uh, in an age of in an apostolic age, uh, they either don't exist or are collapsing. You know, yeah. uh, secular in- institutions that come up are either indifferent or ignorant or hosp- or hostile to uh, to a life of faith. Mm-hmm. You know, you think of the best intellectuals; they work for secular gain. The best artists; they meditate on the fleeting philosophical trends of the day. You know, we think our heroes are those who kind of redefine the truth and have the power, the mm-hmm. money, the wealth, the fame that we think that we need and we want. And the general community as a whole kind of witnesses more to the secular society more than to Christianity. So those are the clear cons that and, and those are very mm-hmm. clear things that, that you know, we see, uh, I think a, a lot of us see in our current age uh, and we see them as cons. But uh, yeah. really, there are some there are some real pros with being in an apostolic age. Like, for example, Christianity and Catholicism is actually uncomfortable, and therefore it's something that requires radical conversion to hold on to. So mm-hmm. Christians are theoretically better. You know, they're theoretically more strong in their faith because they have to be because right. it's really easy to not be a Christian in, a, in an apostolic age. It's very easy to just float along with secular society. So as a result, yeah. you get better Christians. Um, you know, you also don't have to go out to distant lands to evangelize. You know, you could just go witness to Christ outside your door and to your neighbors. Um, mm-hmm. There's a huge opportunity for evangelization. And, and men also entering the priesthood or people entering into religious orders are doing so, are, are doing, they have a lot more to lose and therefore they, they, come, they don't come with as many bad motives. Now, that's not to say that people don't come with bad motives. No. Um, but, but, you know, there's not many priests today who are thinking that they're coming into the job because they want to be famous and they want to have can, money. Can we pause on, can we pause on that? Just a yeah, sec. Absolutely. So do you feel, <clears throat> well, actually two thoughts, but the, the biggest thought is, all right, you're expressing this right now, but you share with your, your band of band of brothers, your band of fathers there, you know, your sem- yeah. fellow seminarians, seminarian brothers. Yeah. Seminarian brothers is, is everybody else have the same open eyes that you do with that perspective? It's like, Hey, we know, we're going into bad. bad. We're yeah. going into no, a hostel. There is a certain sense of going into battle. Yeah, I would say so. Um, yeah, there's definitely. And I think this is this is kind of clear from because because me and me and the other my other brothers who have entered yeah. seminary with me, you know, yeah. we're entering it in a in a very different context than you know the, our pastors or the priests that we've known. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm exactly thinking. Because let's let's talk about Father Mike. Because we always talk about Father Mike. I mean, the age that he came in, it was st- we were still in the age of Christendom, so it was 
you know, oh man, you're going to be a priest. You're this, you're, you're the big winner. You're this big, you know, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's not, it was a little different back then. Now I yeah, just, certainly maybe I'm talking, maybe I'm talking out of term because I'm not, I'm not him. He could probably. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, we, yeah. And maybe we can get him on the podcast. Yeah. I'd love to, yeah. I'd love we should, we, we actually, we probably should. Yeah. But, but no, there, there is, there is something to it. Yeah. There is something about, um, it's certainly in the air in seminary and it's certainly something that we talk about a lot. We often, you know, a lot of, a lot of seminary isn't necessarily the classes that you go to, but very often it's, it's the conversations that you have after class with your your brother seminarians that, that really form you. And very often when we, when we get together and talk, we talk about, uh, you know, the challenges that we'll be facing and, and just kind of like readying ourselves for the battle. Cause it's going to, it's, it's certainly going to be a battle, not just with, you know, the people in the culture, but it's going to be a spiritual battle. Uh, it's, it's going to be, you yeah. know, it's, it's, it's going to be something that uh, is, is a, is a real serious thing. Uh, but it's one that great heroes can be made in. So that's, right. it, that gets us really excited. Oh, I know. I, I totally agree. I, so I'm going to, I'm going to, hopefully I'm not going to derail you too much, but I'm going to bring it back to vocations. Yeah. And you know, how do you take that to the street to people? And I still remember when, when you, you you first started discerning, and I you you probably remember me telling you this. I said you're a loser. <laughs> yeah, and I, I meant that in the true sense, in in this sense, you know what mm-hmm. I knew. You knew what I meant. Mm-hmm. But you know, society thinks you're a loser. Mm-hmm. Um, that's got to be. A, I mean, that's a challenge. Uh, 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 how do you take how do you take that message out to the streets for vocations? And maybe I'm throwing you off on a tangent here, but I mean, it just. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's, that's yeah, no, and I think that's a really good question because it really kind of points to the fact that because we're in an apostolic age and we're not in an age of Christendom anymore, we yeah. really can't rely on the old ways that we no. were relying on to foster no. vocations. You know, we no. can't really rely that the system is going to give us enough priests, you know, because yeah. in a, in a sense that train that people have gotten on and just rode their whole life and, and, uh, you know, the, the Catholic train that you got on at birth and then you just kind of, you know, floated along down the lazy river and then, and then that's it. Um, the train has no, you know, the, the track is, is gone. It's completely gone. You really have to, yeah. um, you know, we're in an apostolic age. We're in an age that uh, requires strength and fortitude to, to remain grounded in the faith. Um, so we can't just rely on seminarians just to fall out of the sky you know, yeah. some of the best advice for vocations is that, you know, a priest comes from a family, you know, if a priest doesn't, doesn't just fall from the sky. So it's, it's so important not to just rely on just the priests who are finding more vocations. It's really a job in an apostolic age for everyone to find more vocations because vocations mm-hmm. are out there. That's the thing. The Lord yes. has given us enough vocations for the, for the church at this present moment. Uh, the question is, we have to, how are we going to foster them and how are we going to find them? And that's a yeah. task for everyone, you know, just as and like we have the universal call for holiness, we all have this universal call to. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have to say is at the Holy Name Society, you know, it's mainly guys like me, you know, we're dads, we're in our fifties and sixties and whatnot. And that really, so we're, we've grown, we grew up in that tail end of that age of Christendom. And it, I think that your talk really, but it, because we've grown up in that and yet we're feeling the angst of this, mm-hmm. di- this current time. It's like something's out of joint. Mm-hmm. You, you said we're off the tracks aren't there. We're looking, we're looking for those tracks. 
Yeah. And they're not and there. The and we're, we're looking for the tracks, <laughs> but we just have to realize that the tracks just aren't there anymore. Yeah. And we've got you know? to lay them is what the thing is really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We have to be the ones to lay them. Yeah. We can't, we can't rely yeah. on the tracks that used to be there. So, but the thing is, is yeah. like, that's not a reason for us to, you know, just kind of whine and complain. It's really, it's an opportunity for great, yes. great. It's an opportunity yes. to, yes. you know, the, the greatest saints that we have in our tradition are saints that came out of the apostolic age. You know, mm-hmm. think of the, uh, think of the apostles, you know, yeah. those, yeah. you know, think of the, uh, you know, think of Paul, St. Paul, think of all the martyrs in early Rome, just yeah. excellent saints. Those first wonderful examples of what Christianity is. Yeah. Uh, and we have, we've been graced with an opportunity to, to be able to live heroically in this moment. So it's really, you know, this is a, this is a cause for rejoicing and joy, really. Yeah. You know, St. Paul says, I rejoice in, and I, I boast in nothing but the cross of Christ, you know? There's a certain rejoicing in in being able being seen worthy to engage in this spiritual battle. So, and that's something that that guys I, I find that the guys in the seminary respond really well to. Yeah, they yeah, and but for people, um, my perspective is the Holy Name Society. We yeah. need to hear like what you said because we're still. And I'm saying we like us, gen- we're still a little bit, like I said, looking for those tracks. And and when it, when because your your talk when you came to us and made it, it did leave us with a great sense of joy. Like, hey, what we do here is important. You know, made and actually is the the uh, maybe you didn't hear, but some of the guys as they were leaving the meeting, it's like, hey, I got to bring other people with me here. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and that was the feeling that was engendered. It's like, hey, what we're doing here is important. It, we can't just coast along, but we just need to we need to spread this message that that you're talking about today because we need to reframe mm-hmm. our thinking. And yeah. you're right. And, and once you reframe it, it is a very it is a very positive thing. It's a, it's exciting to be involved. To, you know, what's oh, it? Yeah. May you live in interesting times. That old curse, yep. but I mean, mm-hmm. we we do live in interesting times. It's a chance for us to to prove our metal. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that that's uh, uh, it's an upshot. So I want to say thank you for 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 bringing that terrible message to it. No, that's a great <laughs> bringing that. Oh, message it's a great. I think us. it's a it's a joyful yeah. message. I think it's I, yeah. I think it really does bring a lot of peace because. I, yes. You know, at the end of the day, you know, a lot of people come up and ask, you know, they, they come up and ask me like, Stephen, what do we need to do? You know, or, you yeah. know, what do we need to do to get more people like you? And, and really a lot of people are searching for answers. You know, why, why are, is my son or my daughter, why aren't they practicing Catholicism anymore? Mm-hmm. I did everything that I, I knew that I had to do to raise him right. And we just, you know, we just didn't realize just how quickly the culture was changing. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, I think it's, it's a message of, of, of hope, you know, knowing that yeah. Christ hasn't left his church and it's a, it's a message of hope too. Cause knowing, seeing, you know, seeing a lot of people leave the church and seeing a lot of people turn on it, uh, does not mean that Christ has left his church. It just means that right. we're entering a different time that, that needs a different right. uh, emphasis and a different pastoral and, strategy. And to bring it back to your original point, vocations in an apostolic age, and you, which mm-hmm. you kind of made this point, but I'm just going to underscore it. You're right. It is up to the families, to the community. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of my point. We need to realize we're in that apostolic age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And once we do, then it's like, you know, be joyful and, and, and be glad that, uh, uh, that, Hey, you have this opportunity to prove, uh, uh, to prove, you know, it's the, uh, on the pro side, basically of the apostolic age. And, and, you know, it, it, 
I'm not saying it right. I'm not saying it fully, but I mean, it's a, a cha- well, like to, to say it back in the negative, how I said, you know, you're a loser to society, but it's because you're proving you're, you're getting a chance to really earn your stripes, I guess. I can't, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm yeah, missing absolutely. the right words, but yeah, to, to bring it full circle, uh, your point, you know, vocations in an apostolic age, I think it's, it's the whole church. We have to realize we're in an apostolic age mm-hmm. and then that makes vocations seem all the more valuable mm-hmm. and all the more desirable. And, and, yes. and, uh, but you don't, if we still approach it, cause like us old guys at the, at the Holy name, we're still thinking we're in the age of the Christendom and <laughs> we're like, what's going wrong and why? Mm-hmm. But if mm-hmm. we adjust our think our thinking that cascades, it's through to, to our, our, our families, to, to our, to our churches, our communities. And that, I, I think in the I think in the long run and the short long run within the next ten to twenty years I think you will see vocations starting to boom a boomlet here maybe maybe you don't agree with me but uh, I think as we have that shift a shift in focus uh, and that shift in value and realizing hey it's it's up to us to start laying those rails laying mm-hmm. the, that path that mm-hmm. uh, hey let's let's get to work let's roll up our sleeves. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, t- I think it's. Uh, I think we live in a great time in the church, so it's it's a reason for much joy, and it's it's definitely a, a very exciting time. So. Yeah, and I think uh, I think that's a chance for us to wrap it up here for today. It's, uh, thank you again, Stephen, for for sharing with us. I really appreciate. Yeah, thank it. you for a lot. I love I love sharing this. This is this yeah. a chance to share with what what we're learning at seminary. So. Okay. And, and, and at this point, I'd also like to say thank you to our listeners uh, for listening to Father and Dad. Um, and as you recall, as you know, there is no charge for Father and Dad, but we do ask for one form of payment. If you like what you've heard, please tell two friends to subscribe and um, we'll see you, see you next time uh, next month. Thank you for listening. He came down to-